Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. The Book of Revelation, Session 52, Supernatural Light and Darkness Sequence. What the heck? What did I just say? Supernatural Light and Darkness Sequence in the Book of Revelation. We are going to look at the strangest thing where God goes over to the light switch and he turns it off and then on and off and on and off and on and off and on all throughout the book of Revelation. Specifically on the planet, there's going to be very interesting supernatural. So I want us to catch that. It is supernatural. It's both light and it's darkness and it's a sequence. So it's not just that it happens once. It happens repeatedly in the book of Revelation. And that is a, uh, if that's a new idea to you, that might be a, a very strange idea. Uh, but what we're trying to do in our approach to the book of Revelation in this series is to really gain some understanding. And so if it turns out that the lights go on and off multiple times in the book of Revelation, we would want to have enough understanding about those to have not have thought it was all the same event over and over again. We would want to have known those verses and the nuances of those passages well enough to understand what's actually happening. And so that's what we're doing. Now, <clears throat> these are unusual. I mean, to say strange is a, is a good word. These are strange things occurring in the atmosphere with light and darkness in, uh, in some really unusual ways. And apart from just a couple of verses tonight, all the verses we're going to look at are in Revelation. I gave you a list a little bit later, uh, bottom of page one, of some other cross-references you can go and look at. But uh, first thing I want to uh, state as we uh, jump into tonight's uh, message is that word supernatural. So we're not talking about natural things. You know a, an eclipse is natural? That's not supernatural. That's a normal thing. It's written into the code of life. Eclipses happen. These are not eclipses. These are not normal ones. We are not talking about natural events or even rare events. We're talking about supernatural ones that are bizarro, that God used as a, a moment to make a point. He's drawing attention. There are wild happenings in the book of Revelation, and they are supernatural. So I want you to kind of write that word supernatural on your heart related to this tonight, because anybody that's trying to explain these events with a natural lens, I am sure they are well-meaning. That is not what's happening here. These are supernatural events like so much else of the book of Revelation. It's supernatural. Second, we are talking about a very unusual time period in human history. When we're describing the events of the end times and specifically even the final years, the, the great tribulation period, the time frame right before it and right after it, this is a very unusual time period in human history. I gave you this verse in Zechariah 14 because uh, it's, I think, describes both the physical day of Jesus' return, but it also helps us get kind of a picture of some of the unusual things God is going to be doing with the light switch in the last generation in that, those final three and a half years. And so I want you to, if this is a verse that you're not familiar with, I want you to go chew on this a little and ask the Lord for some uh, additional revelation. 
Zechariah 14, I'm in the middle of page one. On that day, there will neither be sunlight nor cold, frosty darkness. So there'll neither be sunlight nor darkness. Huh? What does that mean? It will be a unique day, a day known only to the Lord with no distinction between day and night. When evening comes, there will be light. These are, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It's because it's supernatural, and it won't make any sense. You'll be right there looking at it going, the heck is going on? The light is both off and on and neither off or on. Like, what is happening? It's a unique day, a day only known to the Lord. What, what does a day only known to the Lord even mean? These are deep words. I'm trying to give us a little bit of a picture of what is happening in the book of Revelation? We need to be thinking Zechariah 14 and not, oh, you know, like two eclipses at once, man. No, it's, it's not two eclipses at once. It's 92 eclipses at nuns. I mean, it's, it is crazy things happening. It is backwards, upside down. It's the Lord. He's doing things that can't be done and shaking even the sky. He's going to shake everything that can be shaken, including the sky and the sun and the cosmos. He's going to do wild things. So as we jump into the book of Revelation and this concept, I want that as a little bit of our background, okay? Drastically contrasting realities, bright brightness, deep darkness, so not a normal day's brightness. I don't mean the brightest day you've ever heard of or on record. I'm talking about a lot brighter than that kind of bright day. And then deep darkness. I don't mean overcast in the middle of the night. That's not dark enough. Deep, deep darkness. We are talking about very unusual days. And there's a sequence of normal days, bright days, dark days, in between days. There's all sorts of very interesting things and that is going to create a very unusual situation. That is going to make life on planet Earth different than it has been. It's going to be a very unusual thing. This is a consistent theme in the book of Revelation. It gave you uh, plenty of material there at the bottom of page one, top of page two, for you to go and look at where else this idea is in the scriptures, because tonight we're mostly going to be looking at Revelation. But as I've said before, and this is not something you're... Um, you're kind of thinking about as you read through the word, it would be good for you to, to, to catch this. The book of Revelation presents very few new ideas. The book of Revelation actually says very little new things. It's mostly Old Testament ideas, prophecies, passages. However, there's more clarity given on those details. Uh, in the book of Revelation. So the book of Revelation doesn't tell us about too many new things, but it gives a lot of illumination on things that we already have Bible verses on in the Old Testament. So there's a, a great example there. Uh, part D on page one is a bunch of Bible verses that talk about some of these things we're going to be looking about, uh, at tonight, but you don't have the whole storyline like you have in the book of Revelation. Part F, I'm sorry, E, top of page two, these are going to be happening in the sky and on the earth. It's really interesting the way that the Lord weaves these things together. Some of these events are more focused in the atmosphere. Some of these events are more focused on the earth related to it being really dark 
or being really bright. But whatever the case, whether it happens in the atmosphere or on the earth, it will impact life on the earth. So whether it's happening in the up or on the down, either way, the ground is going to feel it. And so that's going to create a really interesting uh, set of circumstances. One of the things I want to point out that you would just, I think, be good to review uh, in your own time is the pains related to the duration of these things that happen. These are not, you know, when an eclipse happens, it lasts for like no time at all. It's over and tomorrow you don't even know the thing happened. I mean, it's like it comes and goes. These moments of bright brightness and dark darkness linger. They're not over in a minute. In many cases, they're probably not over in a day. These things are lasting weeks, even months, potentially. It it varies uh, occasion to occasion. But you're talking about lasting problems that that in itself uh, causes a real issue. I mean, think about how kind of everybody is getting out their little box and poking the hole in it so they can see the eclipse and not stare into the sun. You know, whenever the eclipse thing happens, everybody's getting out their box, you know, and going, how do I make a box? I'm going to see the eclipse box. Yeah, I remember doing it. And it's kind of like the thing everybody talks about for the day before, half of that day, and then forgets about it the next day. It comes and goes. The duration of these wild events is going to be long-lasting and very disruptive. Because you're not talking about a muse. You're talking about life-impacting events. When it goes super dark, or when it's so bright you can't stand outside, I mean, these are going to be really interesting scenarios That again, the pain of duration, I just, I want to introduce that thought process to you that as you're reading through these events, they don't come and go in five minutes. Be a very trying hour. This will be very challenging. These scenarios that we're going to look at in and of themselves, apart from the other judgments that they're attached to in most cases, these scenarios of bright brightness and dark darkness are going to create chaos on the earth. They're going to cause problems. These in themselves are judgments. They are going to be, they're going to cause life to be very challenging uh, for a number of different reasons. And they're going to be terrifying. Luke 21 told us, Jesus told us, the days are coming. They're going to be foreboding. It says men will faint from fear. It says there will be such an arena of fear and terror in the air that people will be afraid of the anxieties of life. They, they'll be weighed down. Part of that weighing down, not by any means the most significant part, but part of that weighing down by the difficulties of life is actually going to be related to how terrifying these things are going to be. And so I just want to kind of paint the picture. When we say light and darkness sequence, that might sound like a lame title, but I want you to think about what's being communicated with that. There's a lot going on in the book of Revelation in the final three and a half years even that's going to be really intense, all right? Well, let's start with the sun. Strange activity pertaining to the sun. First, uh, I'll point out, these uh, trends that we're going to look at related to the sun, they touch all three judgment series, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. There's one of these, at least, in each one of those series, So there's one in the seals, one in the trumpets, one in the bowls. First thing I want to point out. Second, these are unprecedented. You've got a very little bit point of comparison to two events in the word, possibly more, but two that I could think of. But these events are still so 
small scale, small impact, almost like so what? It doesn't even count as a point of comparison, but it's the closest we can get to comparing what we're about to read about in the Word. And that is, in the time of Joshua, Joshua 10, 13, the sun stood still long enough that the Israelites could go get all the bad guys. They were hunting a, a, uh, an army, and they needed more daylight to find them and kill them. And so the sun stood still for a full day's time. That's really weird. That is really weird. That's kindergarten by comparison to what we're about to read about. I mean, that, that's, that's the closest comparison you can come up with is the sun stood still for a day. That's easy deal by comparison to what's coming. Other example I could give you is Isaiah 38, 8. The sun, as a sign to Hezekiah, went back 10 steps on the stairwell. So if you can imagine the sun rising, and uh, as time goes on, it's, it's cresting over the steps. If you're kind of at the bottom of a stairwell, one step, oh, now the sun has risen, two steps, three steps. As a sign to Hezekiah, the sun went backwards 10 steps. That's also like kind of crazy. That's nothing compared to what's coming. And this is the best we've got as a frame of reference. Those two things are the closest we've got as a parallel. We are talking about unprecedented things happening with the sun in what we're about to jump into. First, let's start with the seals. The sun turns black. Here we are now in Revelation 6, 12 through 13. Now, we've looked at this passage in depth for a number of other reasons, but we didn't touch on this point particularly. So let's do that now. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black, like sackcloth made of goat's hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. Now, the part I want to point out here is the sun turned black, like sackcloth. Now, again, we're not talking about a normal eclipse here. You know that because what normal eclipse causes the sun to go black, the moon to go blood red, and at the same time, stars fall out of the sky? Well, what eclipse did that last time you remember? No eclipse is the answer. Because this is an eclipse. This is a supernatural event. This is God grabbing the heavens and shaking it like a snow globe. Okay, he's doing weird things. These are not normal things. And so the sun, uh, the sun turning black, just as a point of reference, this isn't even worth mentioning in the book of Revelation if this lasts for five minutes. Do you know how many crazy things are going on in the book of Revelation? Nobody's even going to remember that five minutes if it's five minutes. There's too much else crazy going on. This isn't a five-minute thing. I don't know how long it is, but it's going to have some duration to it. This is going to be a problem for longer than an eclipse. We're going to be looking at a real issue. It's a sign. It's a judgment. This is a significant moment. The sky, or the, uh, the sun, turning black like sackcloth. It's intense. All right, let's go to the next one. This is now uh, top of page three, letter B. Now we're in the trumpet judgments. Revelation 8, verse 12. Fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck. A third of the moon, 
and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, also a third of the night. Now, this is a couple interesting points here. It says a third of the sun. How do you strike any percentage of the sun and not the whole sun? How do you get a third of the sun? Oh, now you two-thirds, you operate right. Just you one-third. I'll tell you what, the only person who can bark out orders like that and make it happen is God, the one who made the sun. All right, now you one-third. Oh, I'm the lucky two-thirds. I don't got to be burnt out. One-third of the sun goes dark. How does that, whatever is occurring, this is not natural. This is not like, oh, you know, it's just kind of dark in a third of the earth for a while. It says the sun. A third of the sun was struck. How do you strike a third of the sun? That's, that is a very interesting scenario. And it says it goes dark. A third of the sun goes dark. Now, part of what I just want to throw out as a natural byproduct of scenarios like this, the sun makes the planet warm. So what happens if a third of the sun isn't warming anymore? I think that's bad. I'm thinking that that's probably going to have an impact on the global temperature. Now, it also, we've got reasons, lots of them, to know that it doesn't stay in that state indefinitely. So it does like ungo dark eventually. But I don't think that's one minute. I think something happens in the cosmos, in the sun, somehow, whatever. A third of the sun goes dark, and that one third goes bright again later on down the road. But for a minute, it's burnout or not working or something, struck. A third of the sun is struck. That's the language of Revelation. And I just have a feeling that is going to impact the global temperature in a really negative way. So I don't know what happens when a third of the sun isn't shining, but it sounds to me like the temperature on the earth might go down a little bit. Okay, that's just my thought. Next. Now we're going to go the opposite direction. Now this is in the, uh, the bowls of wrath. Revelation 16, 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. Man, that poor sun is just getting it. And the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. It's actually my opinion that this is the moment that the one-third gets relit, like a torch getting relit. That's how I'm picturing this. Because it says this angel is pouring out a bowl on the sun. So a minute ago, an angel or something struck the sun and went, bad sun, and whacked it, and a third of it went dark. Now in this situation, an angel's going, here, sunny sun, sun, and pours out a bowl of wrath on the sun. And now the sun is burning brighter than it's ever burned before because it says the impact of this bowl of wrath being poured out on the sun is it now has power to scorch people with fire. This is a real problem, okay? Because it doesn't say the sun just got brighter. It says, and it doesn't just say the sun had the power to give everybody really, really bad sunburns. It said the the sun now has power to scorch people. Well, people are on the earth. So these people on the earth are getting scorched with fire, but this fire, it's not like just combustion on the earth. It's scorching from the sun. So somehow now we've gone from a third of the sun being dark and the temperature dropping, in my opinion, 
to now the temperature on the earth, no doubt rising, but also some form of like crazy solar flares where the sun is now has the capacity somehow to scorch people on the earth with fire. It doesn't say with sunburns. It doesn't say fires break out miraculously on the earth, though I think that could probably happen too. It says the sun scorch people with fire. So if we're going to be true to the text, there's got to be fire coming from the sun. So now what does that do to the temperature of the earth? Okay, I'm thinking now we got the opposite problem. So a minute ago it was getting kind of chilly, and now everybody's running around in their skippies, and they're still hot. Because the sun is burning brighter, and it's also scorching people with fire. This is really intense. And a brighter sun equals a brighter planet. Does that mean the sun rises a little earlier? Does that mean it burns a little brighter? Does, I don't know. I don't know how all those details work. But somehow a brighter sun is going to be the picture. Okay? Then there's an angel standing in the sun in Revelation 19. Now, I just put this one on there because I think this is going to be an interesting eclipse-like moment. Okay? I don't know how else to describe it. But... It says this angel is standing in the sun. So what I'm picturing somehow, I don't know that I'm thinking it's actually, it doesn't say on the sun, it says in the sun. So I don't, I don't even know what that means, okay? But what I'm picturing, and maybe this is the wrong picture, is an angel-shaped eclipse, almost like a silhouette. This angel is standing in the sun, and it's so big that you're able to see the angel. It's like the sun is hidden behind the angel, I'm guessing. I don't know exactly what this will look like. But it's such a picture. This angel calls out to all the birds of the earth to come and gorge themselves on the flesh of all those that just died in the battle for Jerusalem, commonly uh, spoken of as the Battle of Armageddon. Okay? That's pretty intense. I'm just picturing it related to the sun's activity as what would appear to be an eclipse. I mean, that's how the way I'm reading it, and maybe that's incorrect. Next, a promise about the sun and the age to come. This is just so interesting for everybody that had to live through Revelation 16, 8, and the whole, the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire, bad. Well, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 16, we're told about the the sun's activity in the next age under the leadership of Jesus. It says, never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. So Jesus is helping give the testimony, or the angel, is helping give the testimony about the next age. It says, never again. Man, that's really good news. Can you just imagine there's all these people who are like, hey, remember that time the sun freaked out, started burning everybody? Yeah, that was bad. Well, the good news is once Jesus is in charge, it'll never do it again. That sun will never freak out ever again. It'll be normal. How do you know? Because Revelation 7, 16 says so. It'll be normal. The sun will not be down on the, on the sons of men, nor will it send scorching heat, nor will, it, nor will the heating of the atmosphere global warming or no global warming, that will no longer be an issue. The, su the subject of scorching heat will not be a reality in the age to come related to the activity of the sun. It's pretty intense. 
All right, let's go to part three here. Skip down a little bit. The realities of heaven and hell touching earth. Now, I just give you kind of a no-duh. Heaven, bright with glory. Hell, dark with hell. All right? So heaven bright, hell dark. All right? It just so happens in the book of Revelation, we see both realms opened up to planet earth. Realms, like heaven, the heaven heaven, the real one. Hell, the real hell, opened up to earth, and what happens when heaven is open to earth and what hell is open to earth is exactly what you would think. The stuff that's in there comes out of there and gets on the earth, light or darkness. Now, we looked at it when we were studying Revelation 6 and the, uh, the seals, but Revelation 6.14 tells us when the heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every island and mountain was rolled away from its place. If you weren't with us during that session, I don't have time to recap it, but the, the gist of it is, in this moment, it's obvious that the realm between earth and heaven is breached because it says the sky is rolled back like a scroll, and all the men, the wicked men on the earth, look through the sky, and they see Jesus on the throne. And with him on the throne, they declare, save us from the wrath of God and from the one on the throne, from, from the lamb. Save us from him. So they're in an, in an open heavens experience. I'll just tell you one thing. Whatever is coming through that window, that portal, if you will, it's bright. It is the bright light of heaven. In fact, it makes me wonder if it were night, or rather when it's night, Wherever that window is, I just imagine you ain't going to sleep because the bright light of heaven is shining through that window where the, the sky recedes back like a scroll and it creates an open view into heaven from earth. I'm imagining it's bright, okay, for a hundred reasons about the reality of heaven. Well, what about in Revelation 9-2 when the abyss is opened up? Revelation 9-2, when he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. Now, part of what's happening with that smoke is it's smoke, but it's also hell smoke. Smoke from hell. That's not normal smoke. Remember in Exodus, the darkness that could be felt during the plague of darkness? This smoke has more to it than just it being smoke. This smoke, you might do better to think of this smoke as darkness that's floating than as smoke only, okay? And so, yes, it comes up out of hell, and of course it darkens the sky, but now you've got the sky darkened by hell. That's what's darkening the sky. It's not just smoke. It's smoke from hell. How how did hell get opened up? An angel opened it up. It's part of the judgments of God. Revelation 9, chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse 2, and that whole passage describes what happens when hell is opened up and the realm between hell and earth is breached. Now darkness comes up out of it, and of course the sky is darkened and the sun as well. Well, I gave you here in Revelation 16, 10, top of page 5, when the Antichrist kingdom is plunged into darkness, 
And I think this will be one of the most, uh, you know, unique expressions of darkness in the, uh, the last days. Because it says this, Revelation 16.10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. Now we know from other studies and, and uh, pieces of the book of Revelation that we'll get to, that <clears throat> the Antichrist is going to have significant leadership over the earth. I mean, to say that he's ruling all the earth in one sense wouldn't be incorrect, but if you said he's ruling 100% of the earth, that wouldn't be accurate. Right? He's going to have his fingers all over the earth. He's going to have control in all the nations, but control in all the nations doesn't mean control of 100% of the dirt of all the nations. Control in the governments, control in this territory. He's going to have significant, I mean, you want to be thinking about in the high 90s. I mean, you know, it's not like it's 50-50. He's going to have significant control, but there are going to be places that he doesn't have control. There's going to be resistors that are fighting him. It says war will continue until the end. Well, if there's war, that means there's opposition. If there's opposition, that means there's at least a house, a city block, a town, a state that's fighting back that has not yet been conquered. So it, when it says his kingdom was plunged into darkness, you got a really interesting point of demarcation because there's going to be places that don't go dark, parts that are not his kingdom. His kingdom is plunged into darkness, but there are going to be places on the earth that are not. I gave you also, I don't want to spend any time on it right now, you can look at it later, a parallel of what happens when Babylon is judged. It says Babylon more or less is plunged into darkness. Just gave you that as a kind of a touch point for later. All right, how about the extreme brightness when Jesus comes? He's called the bright morning star in the book of Revelation. These are all Revelation passages. Let's look at it. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. 16. I, Jesus, send my angel to give you the testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. He's describing his, himself. I am the bright morning star. Well, it just so happens when he comes, it gets really bright. Why? Because Mr. Bright Morning Star is coming. All right, now these are verses outside of the book of Revelation, but I wanted to give them to you because they help paint the picture. Song of Solomon 6.10. Who is this appear, that appears in the likeness of the dawn? Fair as the moon, bright as the sun, majestic as the stars in procession. Psalm 18. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advance with hailstones and bolts of lightning. Psalm 60, verse 19, says, The sun will no more be your light by day, nor the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Sounds like the bright morning star coming. It just so happens that when Jesus comes, every eye will see him. Part of the reason every eye will see him is because of the obnoxious nature of his brightness. He will be so bright and blinding, no one will be able to not see him. Part of every eye will see him, it's not the only point to be made, but part of the every eye will see him is, he's the bright morning star, he's so bright. Everyone will see him, everyone will go, what the heck is that? It's so bright. We just got dealing, done, done dealing with all this sun hoopla, but man, I wasn't near as bright as whatever that is in the sky. 
the bright morning star, Jesus himself. Every eye will see him. Do you know in the next age, Jesus is the night light in the book of Revelation? He is the light source of the new Jerusalem. But didn't he say that when he was with us? John 8, 12. He spoke to the people and said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, will have the light of life. Well, looking at it in the most practical sense, of course, the spiritual sense. Of course, he is light to us in darkness. He lights our path. He leads us in truth. Yes, yes, of course. But also, he is literally light. Look at it. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. Revelation 1.16. When John sees him, he goes, oh my gosh. His face was like staring into the sun. But I could still somehow see his face. And I like staring into this sun. I liked it a lot. We got another uh, account where I believe it's Jesus. But if it's not, it's another angel with a very similar description as Jesus. Whose face was like the sun. But look at this, Revelation 21, 23, bottom of page 6. The Lamb is the lamp of heaven. The city does not need the sun. This is talking about the city of the New Jerusalem, heaven. Heaven does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God give it, give it, gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. A lamp lamb. Lamb lamp. This Lamb is a lamp. I was just down at my uh, mother and father-in-law's sheep ranch, and they got lamps. They're not a one of them that's light. Not a one of them. They're just made of wool and bad. That's all they are. This one, however, the Lamb of God in heaven is light. It says the Lamb is the lamp of the city. The, the, the one, the lamp. A whole city, and this city, by the way, is enormous. It's from the Mississippi River to the Pacific and from Mexico to Canada, and that's just one floor, okay? It's enormous. It says the lamb is the lamp of this city. That is a really, really bright light. I mean, it would, might be right to say that you're the light of the world if you can light up all that space. Well, it says in uh, Revelation 22.5, top of page 7, we'll finish up here in just a moment, and then we'll break into discussion groups. There will be no more night they will not need the lamp, the light of a lamp, or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is talking about in heaven, no need for other light sources, because the lamb is the light source that's needed. And the way that the city is built, just imagine the architecture that allows the, the translucent capacities, this light to be able to go through the whole city. You don't need lamps. You don't need lights in heaven. Why? Oh, we got Jesus. Huh? How does that make any sense? He's a man. <laughs> you think he's a man? He's a lamb lamp. He lights the whole city. This whole city's run on lamb lamp. It's like, the heck is a lamb lamp? Jesus, he runs the, the, the whole city is lit by lamb lamp. All right, one man. And it says, oh, but not just the city of the New Jerusalem. That city is also a nightlight, a sun for the earth, it says. Revelation 21, 24, the nations will walk by its light. Talking about the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem during the millennial period will be just over the earth. 
and it will serve as a, as a sun. It will be a sun. This whole city is lit by Jesus. But it's not just lit inside. It's lit outside because it says this. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. The nations will walk by its light. The nations will actually be lit up by the new Jerusalem. And the light of the new Jerusalem is Jesus. These are just very interesting things. All I know is we have been very used to 24-hour days where it goes sunshine, dark shine, sunshine, dark shine. And it, there's going to be a lot of rules broken coming up. A lot of rules broken related to light and darkness in sequence. Okay, so what does protection look like? The, the uh, saints get sealed. Uh, we read that uh, in a, a previous passage in Revelation chapter 7. And so related to these events, what does protection look like for the saints? Um, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I know that it's real. So one thing that we can be sure of is the sealing of the saints from the judgments will protect the saints. Now, how does that look? I think actually, as you were asking the question, what was jumping into my mind immediately was actually uh, that verse in Revelation 16 where it made the distinction that the kingdom of the beast was plunged into darkness. Just making it clear, God has the ability to say dark, no dark, dark, no dark. He's got the ability to, uh, to be very uh, strategic in what is getting touched by any judgment. That one spells it out pretty clear, um, but uh, at any point. And so, you know, I think that whatever's happening, the saints are going to be experiencing the provision of the Lord, the leading of the Lord. I think sometimes protection is going to equal, hey guys, don't be in that town tomorrow, Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, you just want to be anywhere on the planet but there tomorrow. So part of that might be related to light or darkness. Uh, some of that might be strategic, you know, uh, leading of the Lord of what to do, what not to do. But then I also think like when it comes to, you know, uh, of course the judgments that are, that are in the, uh, the, the third series, that is the bowls of wrath, the saints are already raptured at that. We're raptured at the last trumpet. We're raptured at the seventh trumpet. So at the seventh trumpet, the church is no longer experiencing things in the natural the way that they were during the trumpets. So any of the judgments related to light or darkness in the final judgment series, the bulls of wrath, we're not going to be experiencing those the same way that the rest of humanity will be. Uh, but for, and also for the period of the, uh, the seals, the saints aren't sealed and aren't experiencing that primary form of protection until after the seals, but it's before the trumpet. So actually, the, the most profound uh, time frame of protection for the saints is going to be in the second judgment series during the trumpets. Uh, during the seal judgments, if that's a point of reference I think it would be good for many of you who are maybe thinking right now, how does this all work? To go back and listen to the message that we did the week or two before COVID broke out uh, that was about the way that the Lord is going to protect the saints before the saints are sealed during the first judgment series, the seals, the significant uh, form of protection uh, that we're going to be experiencing. So I think there's a lot of things that allude to the answer, but as far as the specifics of what's it going to look like? Part of it is what judgment during what series? Because the rules are different during the seals, they're different during the trumpets, and they're different during the bowls. 
the way that the saints are going to be interacting with all of those things is going to be different in each one of those judgment series. So that makes a significant difference too. Um, but you just know that seal is real. The seal of God in Revelation 7 is going to be a real deal, and it's aimed at the trumpet judgments. Uh, so that'll be the most significant difficulties that we are here for in our natural bodies. Great question. Uh, worship team or leader, you can come on up too. Uh, all right, let's go over here. Question. Shoo, what does normal life look like if there is such a thing under these set of circumstances? Uh, I don't think normal is a good word to use. Uh, I do, however, think that God has made humanity very uh, uh, resilient and and very um, very able to adapt. Part of the reason that there's not just one really, really, really bad judgment, but there's one horrible one and couple months later, there's another horrible one, and this horrible one is so different than the last one, is to keep the human race off kilter, is to keep us imbalanced. So the subject of, of normalcy is going to be the, I think one of the greatest pains that mankind will face during the period of the Great Tribulation is actually the inability to stabilize. Because Man, you can put up with pretty much any hassle if you can adapt to it. If you can just kind of figure out, all right, well, look, this is just how it is. It's just, just life. Let's just get used to it. Everybody settle in. The problem is the problems keep changing and getting worse and touching different spheres. So I think the, the, the discombobulation of the, of the human race related to how off-kilter uh, we're going to be uh, is going to be a serious problem. So I, I think... The question maybe could should be asked in, the, in reverse, and that is, how unnormal will life look? And then start to paint the scenarios related to dark days, bright sun, dark sun, the conversations you're trying to have about life and how weird it is and how to navigate. And, and the conversations the church is going to be having is going to be night and day, pun intended, different than the conversations the lost will be having. The lost are going to be freaking out, mad at God, trying to figure out what to do. The church is going to be like, bring on another one, Lord, let's do it. And don't forget to come back. I mean, <laughs> we're going to be having a very different conversation. So great question, very thought-provoking question. But I think, I think the answer is just different. I think it's the other direction. Okay, so Genesis 1, let there be light. What was the light? It's Jesus. I'm the light of the world. I don't know how to go any deeper than that, but meditate on that. I'm sure that's the answer. It's, let there be light, but it's Jesus. But isn't that Jesus is the one who's talking to his father saying, let there be light. They just can't wait to talk about themselves. It's just, just Jesus. <laughs> Genesis 1, let there be light. It's got to be Jesus. He's the light of the world. He proves it in the next age. It's Jesus. I, I, don't, I am confident that's the answer, but it would take some meditating and some verse referencing to get you any more on it than that. It's Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. Okay, I, that's, that's the best I got. I, that's great. That's great. Okay, so great question. Uh, the question is, in the New Jerusalem, in the next stage, Jesus is the light of the New Jerusalem. It says the lamb is the lamp, and it lights the whole city. So, But Jesus has got a kingdom to run. So what about when Jesus leaves the New Jerusalem and goes and does something in Australia? And so he's doing something on the earth. Uh, what happens to the city? 
I don't know exactly, but one thing that jumped out as soon as you asked the question is the twofold light source from God. Because in both cases where it talks about Jesus being the light, it says, and God gives it light. And so in both cases, that phrase, and God gives it light, or God gives the city light, or, or uh, and God is its light. And then it says, then it starts talking about Jesus. So some version of the Father's light as the Father of the Lamb continues to illumine the city, but the light, as, as is typical within the Trinity, the deference of glory is constant. The Son glorifies the Father. Father glorifies the Son. The Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. The Son gives credit to the Holy Spirit. Uh, and in this constant trading off, the light of the New Jerusalem is called the light of the Lamb. However, it says the Father, God, is the one that gives it its light. So some version of the Father keeps the light burning uh, even though it's called the light of the Lamb uh, in the absence of the Lamb because Jesus will have business to do on the earth uh, in the next age. So, excellent questions. These, are, these might be some of the best questions we've ever had as, a, as just a, a whole thing. So you guys are learning, growing, and paying attention. All right. Well, Father, we ask you in Jesus' name to help us so that we could continue to go deep so that the words of revelation would touch us. You said there's a blessing if we read it. We're reading it. We know there's a blessing if we study it, meditate on it, pray about it. We pray that we would experience that blessing and that you would continue to open revelation in the book of Revelation to our spirits that we might understand this book greater. Father, we pray, release clarity on these nights in Jesus' name. Amen. This time we're going to this concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.